Hello and welcome to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm your host, Emilio Garcia. Today, we talk to William Poulos about his upcoming testimony over the proposed climate emergency declaration. Please enjoy the episode and stick around after the episode to learn more about the ATA. So here we are once again at the Australian Taxpayers Alliance office, and I'm joined by a friend of the think tank, of the work tank rather, uh, William Poulos. How are you, mate? G'day, not bad. Good, good, good to hear. So I hear that you're um, giving a bit of a testimony of types later on. Uh, Do you want to tell us what that's about? Yes, so we're going over to Willoughby City Council uh, to oppose this fatuous motion of theirs. Um, They want to declare a climate change emergency. Ah. Now, I think this is a fatuous gesture because it's only designed to make them look good and Mm. virtuous while they're shirking their actual responsibilities. Well, yes, you think, uh, you know, obviously when we think of councils, local councils, we think of roads, Mm -hmm. uh, libraries, which you're fond of, Mm -hmm. uh, swimming pools that are open to the public, shit like that. That's very, uh, you know, open to the public, close to home, things like that. Indeed. Very little of what they do would have anything to do with climate science, mm-hmm. climate change, any of that. You're, you're calling it vacuous. Can you explain to us it, kind of the extent of why this is such a ridiculous thing for councils to even be involved in? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I mean, Australia produces 1.3% of the global emissions. Mm. And for instance, Willoughby City Council produces 0.3% of that 1.3%. Um, so it doesn't actually matter what Willoughby City Council does. It's not going to have any effect on Australia's emissions, basically. And furthermore, it doesn't actually matter what Australia does either. Even mm. our chief scientist, Dr. Alan Finkel, um, has conceded this, that uh, our emissions are so small compared to the rest of the world, and especially because emissions in places like China and India are growing so much, we could drop off the face of the earth tomorrow, and it's mm. not going to make any difference whatsoever to the global climate. Right. And he's no skeptic himself. No, uh, indeed. A lot of times when people cite that, they think that he's a mm-hmm. kind of skeptical uh, climate science kind of guy. Yes, but indeed. He yes. He, mm-hmm. He's very much concerned about mm-hmm. climate change, maybe more than someone like you or I would be, for mm-hmm. example, who yes. take maybe a little bit more of a moderate ap- approach. Mm-hmm. But essentially, yes, 1.3% of the emissions fall off the face of the earth tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be measurable in terms of uh, global climate change. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? Uh, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the increase in emissions from China and India would mm-hmm. more than o- offset that. Because they are increasing. They are. Yeah, yeah, it, right. They don't just produce more. They are increasing the amount of emissions. And that's actually produced. in keeping with what they signed up for in the Paris Climate Accords. Yeah, indeed, that's right, is, yes. Which is interesting because all of the uh, all of the countries that could make kind of a, a, a very little impact mm. are the ones that have to act most aggressively. Mm-hmm. Where the ones that are contributing the most to, yes. to climate change are the ones uh, that kind of get yes. some free reign for a little yes. while. Yes, so, so far as I understand, it's because they're considered as developing nations rather mm. than developed nations. Um, so they don't have to dismantle um, their fossil fuels-based uh, economy and all the emissions that come from that, um, as other countries have to. I mean, right. this is this is why Turkey wanted to change its status from developed nation to developing, um, so it can keep on going with its uh, carbon emissions and keep its economy propped up. Smart. 
Smart move. Cool. Before we get uh, too off track, I want to get back into the into the council yes. issue of this. Um, so we've had sixty uh, local councils now mm-hmm. actually declare the climate emergency here in Australia. Right. Uh, my local council of mm-hmm. Lane Cove, for example, mm-hmm. they declared one. Yep. Uh, Lane Cove is actually quite a nice place. I don't know why they think that they're such a big issue. <laughs> um, and now your council, will it be city council? Will it be city council? Do any of these councils have any authority? or wherewithal, to actually make any kind of change that would have any effect regarding their emissions. I don't know what the case is for the other councils, um, but for instance in Willoughby City Council, uh, the motion doesn't actually describe or explain in any way what they're going to do. So I can't say if they have the authority to do X if I don't Mm. know what X is. Um, This is another reason why I think this is a completely fatuous gesture. They haven't said at all what they want to do or how much it's going to cost or how we're going to pay for it. I just wonder, though, even even if even if they had some kind of plan, hmm. are there it, does this council have any type of authority to actually action any kind of plan that would that would that would lead to a reduction in their own council is in their own council? Area. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I can't imagine why they would. Yeah. Um, as, as you said uh, at the top of the show, they're mainly concerned with roads, rubbish, mm. parks. Uh, swimming pools and things like that. I don't know how changing any of those things or implementing any plans or processes or systems involved with libraries or roads, for instance, would reduce emissions uh, as to get us out of a so-called climate emergency. Yeah. Or or even if they reduce their, their uh, emissions to zero, mm-hmm. if that would have a greater effect on on all of our emissions, if that would even be measurable. Yes, I know. Yes, we got, we got a little bit nerdy at the top. I think both uh, enthusiastic about it, but you're quite <laughs> right. Um, you know, if... If the whole of Willoughby City Council started mm. producing zero emissions, uh, it would have basically no difference. Okay. So we established that essentially even the, the, the idea of mm-hmm. such a motion is pretty ridiculous. Yes. Now let's talk about the, the emergency itself. So apparently... Well, the so-called emergency. I'm not yes, going to concede yes, the existence yes. of one. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Yes, okay. So what are they basing their, their assertion that we have such an emergency on, and are they right? Uh, it's in mostly based on emotions, mm. so far as I can see. Feels. Uh, the, <laughs> yes, if you want to put it that way, yes. Um, I mean, they cite some statistics saying that the Earth is warming and that CO2 is contributing to this warming mm. and that uh, many human actions are contributing to the increase of CO2 being produced. Um, now, no, no one really denies that. I mean, a few people do, but um, that's not, not... too strongly, yeah. No, exactly. That's not something I'm going to deny. Mm. Um, but I think this hardly constitutes an emergency. Well, yeah, it's interesting because we, we kind of have seen the signs kind of uh, borne out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out something like 97% of, of climate scientists mm-hmm. agree that the climate is changing. But that's a, far, that's a far ways from a consensus as to if it's warming, cooling, and if humans are over 51% responsible. That's, that, the, the scientists are, are a lot more um, split Yes. On all those issues, which would also be relevant. But let's say that we take, uh, for example, the IPCC's mm-hmm. report uh, at, at face value. Right. Which I don't think is smart to do <laughs> or anything. But yes. let's say that we did. Uh-huh. Even them, and they are way more uh, extreme in their mm. predictions than most other authoritative climate models Indeed and, they are. and reports. Mm-hmm. Even they're not saying that there's really a crisis. Now, they say that there's a crisis on, on the back of the mm-hmm. report. But mm-hmm. my point is, the report itself does not indicate any short-term crisis. Quite right, yes. Um, And there seem to be a lot of people, and the motion from Willoughby City Council is doing this as well, uh, linking this so-called rise in CO2 emissions to uh, weather events like cyclones and hurricanes. And as Mm. you say, the IPCC 
um, the most extreme of these organizations, denies such a link between rising CO2 emissions and these extreme weather events, as they call them. That's right. And, and if, if, if global warming or climate change mm. were responsible for cyclones, mm. we should contribute to it because cyclones have been on the decline for the last 10 years, <laughs> right. uh, as has drought. Right. Uh, yes. I, I believe uh, reforestation mm-hmm. currently is actually outpacing deforestation in most of the world. That's interesting. That's yes. a good thing. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of, uh, I also see extinctions, uh, mm-hmm. the rate of extinction is down. So I wonder if, even if you, if, if you take all these things at face value, what exactly is the emergency? We're, we're, yes. We've heard of, of people being uh, displaced mm-hmm. due to, to climate change, mm-hmm. uh, so-called climate refugees. And I hear, I hear this a lot. Yes. What climate refugees are there? Uh, that's just what I was going to ask you. I don't know anyone who's uh, had to, to move house because of extreme rising sea levels or extreme heat or anything like that. Mm. Uh, in fact, I mean, there's, uh, there are a few facts which are often left out of this debate. Um, for instance, that far, far fewer people now are dying of climate-related uh, deaths mm. than ever before um, because of improved transport and in- infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, which are largely based on fossil fuels. Right. Um, but this is something you're not going to hear about. Well, uh, indeed. And, and one thing that I think that a lot of people also uh, fail to take into consideration mm-hmm. is that when we talk about actually slashing carbon emissions, where it matters is in poor countries. Mm-hmm. It matters in countries like mine, Mexico. Right. It matters in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. It matters in China. It matters in India. All these things. Now, mm-hmm. that sounds great, maybe in principle. Mm-hmm. What happens if we actually go and slash all of the... We, we, we authoritatively do something and we say China, India, Sub-Saharan Africa, all of you poor people, yes. you need to cut your emissions. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would have heinous consequences uh, for poverty, for health, Indeed, yes. for mobility, mm-hmm. all that. Do you want to talk to that a little yes. bit? Yes. Um, well, I mean, this uh, seems to be the case uh, in Australia as well. We're certainly not a poor country by any means, mm. but... Uh, since the Howard years, our energy prices have basically doubled, while prices in uh, the US and Canada, which are based largely on, well, in some states they're based on gas and fossil fuels, they're about half what they are here, actually. Um, and this has had a terrible effect on small businesses, or big businesses, and especially our manufacturing sector, mm. um, who can't afford to pay their energy bills anymore. Right. So this is leaving people out of jobs, right? And of yeah. course, if people don't have jobs, they can't pay the bills and they can't buy food. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a terrible problem, uh, which the government wants to exacerbate rather than solve here. Right. Um, as you say, I think the effect in uh, places like China and, and India would be much worse because they don't have this very strong safety net that we do yeah. here in Australia and places like the UK have as well. That's right. That's right. And, and it's interesting because it's also a combination of not only do we want to cut emissions just by dramatic amounts mm-hmm. in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. but we also oppose seemingly all of the things that could help us transition towards a cleaner economy yes. without impacting individuals. Now, I'm thinking of two things. Uh-huh. A lot of Aussies disagree with me on one. Mm-hmm. For me, it's nuclear. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. And fracking. Yes. Now, fracking, a lot of Aussies don't like fracking. Yes. Has maybe a lot to do with um, more with land regulations, but mm-hmm. they still don't like it. Mm-hmm. But you would agree, nuclear and fracking would be a very good way to approach a reduction in, in emissions. Oh, it'd be the ideal way. Yeah, yeah I agree entirely. Um, I'm not quite sure uh, on what basis people oppose fracking. I know um, there are a lot of scare stories about it, about uh, the drilling 
oh, infecting the wells and poisoning the water and, right. and this sort of stuff. But I think it's another rehash of this sort of emergency alarmist rhetoric. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because it, it, it's kind of a pattern mm. within this whole climate uh, alarmist movement mm-hmm. of citing things that do not happen, mm. that have never happened, and just passing them off as truth. Yes. So, for example, uh, wells being being infected by this uh, fracking water, mm-hmm. uh, water catching on fire uh, <laughs> because of fracking, yes. uh, it, it, climate refugees, mm-hmm. uh, more people dying of bronchitis because of climate change, mm-hmm. all these things. And then you say, okay, well, okay, what's what's the source? Mm. I don't see it. I, I've never read of such things. Yes, I, 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 I think if you had a lot of, of uh, data, data on this issue... Uh, if you had a lot of uh, of really authoritative information on this issue, mm-hmm. you'd be pushing it to the forefront, maybe yeah. not keeping it in talking points. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think of that? Mm. Well, I think you're quite right. As I say, I think it's mostly an ideology based on emotion rather mm. than any facts whatsoever. And I mean, I can understand that completely. You know, people um, don't have the time to follow the data uh, or the data, as you say. <laughs> um, it's basically a full-time job following this stuff. Mm. Um, and so I understand why people don't do it, but then they shouldn't so vociferously campaign for issues they really know nothing about. And yes. it seems as though the less they know about it, the louder they want to shout. Mm. Um, and you can see, I found it uh, extraordinary that uh, people were following uh, Miss Thunberg uh, as ah. if she's some sort of prophet. Um, I mean, we, why would you listen to a 16-year-old on any issue? Right? Well, how, how is she an authoritative source? Well, I mean, if, if, we, uh... if we listen to our 16-year-olds all the time, we'd be having ice cream for dinner every night. <laughs> That's a bad That's idea. Okay. Well, like I've, tr- I've tried it. I've, tried, <laughs> I've, had, I've had severe regrets. Yes, no, I can imagine. Um, well, Greta Thunberg is, as you know, stunning and incredibly brave. Now, she recently uh, was pushed for her, uh, for her nomination, uh, for her win mm-hmm. with the Nobel Peace Prize, which mm-hmm. I find abhorrent <laughs> i really really i mean yes. she managed to put her name mm. on the work of adults who managed to work towards allowing children to skip school yeah. on three separate occasions mm-hmm. in order to bring attention to one of the most hotly debated political issues of our time mm-hmm. so don't you think that that warrants <laughs> a nobel peace prize <laughs> i mean you say it's hotly debated i don't think it's actually hotly debated at all i mean there are very few hot pockets of debate but um, mostly the debate is rather cooling as the world seems to be warming, <laughs> if you might say. I don't see what's brave at all about Greta Thunberg repeating what almost every media outlet around the Anglosphere is saying, mm. uh, and in Europe as well. I mean, there's nothing really brave about that. It's certainly a central issue, I think, was more of my point. A central issue, not, yes, okay, that might be a better way of putting it's it. It's not yes. one of those things mm-hmm. that really needs a lot of attention brought to it. Mm-hmm. It's not like that uh, right, ALS yes. uh, mm-hmm. bucket, uh, what, ice bucket challenge. Oh, ice bucket challenge, yeah, yes. Yeah, no one knew about it. Mm-hmm. Now it's brought. Climate change, yes, we've known about it since before I was born. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem that much of an issue. Mm-hmm. And so I want to turn now, because I think, we, I think we've covered the, the general stupidity of this part of the, of the <laughs> climate change movement. Mm-hmm. Um, now I want to move on to single use. Now, I'm not sure how much you've uh, investigated right. about the single-use issue, but it turns out that mm. we're, we're, we're thinking of more regulations mm. to take single-use products out of circulation even more than they currently are. Mm. Now, what this means is obviously initially we had the ban on plastic bags, single-use plastic bags in supermarkets because they were too contaminating and people use them too much, so now you have to go and buy your um, 15-cent big mm-hmm. fat bag or mm-hmm. your tote. Uh, now they're also thinking of uh, plastic straw. Mm bands, things like that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they understand how detrimental this is to the environment. Mm. 
So do you want to do you want to talk a little bit oh, about? Oh, they, they don't understand how detrimental water is to the environment, banning all of these things. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, it, it does seem to be the case that uh, they've got rid of one evil and replaced it with another. I none of these governments or councils have actually proved that what they're doing will be better for the environment. I think they've they've removed one evil and replaced it with the essence of Satan. <laughs> you, I mean, and I'll tell you why I think that. We were just talking about this earlier at the ATA offices. Mm-hmm. That the data, the data shows that, in fact, all of these uh, supposedly green alternatives mm-hmm. to the single-use yes. uh, product mm-hmm. are far more detrimental mm. to the environment. So, yeah. for example, plastic straws. Straws still are needed. People still like straws. Sure. So, what what is the alternative? Well, they created pla- uh, paper straws mm-hmm. and metal straws. Metal straws are not really catching on, but paper straws are. Yeah. Now, it turns out paper straws, you think, oh, well, good, biodegradable, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, to a plastic straw. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out you actually need to make that straw. And how do you make a plastic straw, well, for, uh, a paper straw? Well, mm-hmm. first of all, you need paper. Mm-hmm. So you need a, a bunch of trees for that. Uh, then you need to extract the pulp, and you need to, to, to use uh, big machines that run on... on uh, Energy, mm-hmm. electricity, mm-hmm. Yes. which uh, you know generally comes from some kind of uh, carbon-based source. Yep. Uh, then you have um, the the paint that goes on top of it, the tint, all of these things. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that the amount, the the footprint, uh, so so to speak, mm-hmm. that it takes to make one paper straw mm-hmm. is something like seven or eight times <laughs> what it takes to make a plastic straw, and it's similar mm-hmm. for that. So I mean, don't don't you find it incredible? That it seems like so much of the it's feelings based, yes, yes. But also, all of their moves are just largely symbolic. They're they're willing to change industries and economies mm. based purely on symbolic issues. Yes, I mean they, um, you know, as we said before, they just want to look as though they're doing something. Um, but it's, it's always to do something, right? And those things are actually, as you say, end up being far worse for the mm. environment than the status quo. Yes. Um, this was also the case in the UK, actually, where Jeremy Corbyn was uh, calling to keep the ban on fracking over in the UK. Mm. Um, but most of the heating in the UK is based on gas, which they then have to import. And you know, putting the gas on a container, then onto a ship, and then shipping it over uh, is far worse for the environment than getting out of the ground in the UK itself. You'd think so. Um, so yeah, it's a completely self-defeating gesture. It is self-defeating, and it's just amazing. But it, it's also interesting to see... Very little pushback mm. on this uh, kind of greater scheme of things. And the people yes. who are ultimately kind of taking a, a look at the greater scheme of things seem mm. to be the people that aren't actually so hyperbolic on climate change. Mm-hmm. So it's, okay, we don't necessarily think, let's say you and I, we don't think that, that climate change is something that we really have to tear our hair up mm-hmm. over right now. There's still a lot of uh, question marks and uh, we should pay attention closely but not change our economy for it, right? Mm-hmm. We can still notice that there's such a thing as pollution mm-hmm. and emissions, and those can be somewhat measured. And if you want to implement some kind of solution towards something, mm-hmm. these are things that you should take into consideration. And we're looking at the solutions that the that the hyper uh, the hyperbolic people mm-hmm. on the climate change end are, are putting forth. And yep. we notice that they're actually worse for the environment. Yes. Now, the, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like what they would call the skeptics mm. actually bearing out all of the evidence for their solutions. I just find that absolutely insane. Yes, well, well, I mean, you find when any orthodoxy finds itself under, at- under attack, it uh, responds much louder than it did before. Um, yeah. But you should we, be able to respond if, if, if you're trying to remake an economy in mm-hmm. a country. Mm-hmm. Many countries. The world, essentially. Yes. 
if you come under attack, not by being called a, a poo-poo head or something, yeah. if you come under attack by saying, hey, listen, we ran these numbers, mm-hmm. this is what your solutions are coming up to. Yes. You would think that you would have some actual actionable uh, data, mm-hmm. data, uh, yes. <laughs> data um, information, uh-huh. uh, different different sets of uh, yes information. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is what I meant about this topic not really um, being the basis of any debate, at least in this country. Mm. Um, as you might expect, there might be one side producing some numbers and some solutions, and the other side producing some numbers and some solutions, mm. and then those two sides trying to argue why their numbers are more accurate or their methods are better or whatever it might be. Um, this is not the case, of course, as you know. This, I mean, largely at the moment just seems to be name-calling on both sides, but yep. it's the people who aren't wholly invested in the debate, um, you know, people who have no real stake in it other than wanting to have a nice country and a nice world to live in, yep. um, but producing uh, you know, some of these findings which uh, seem to get lost from either side. That's right. As you say. Yeah, it doesn't help to have a, a large swath of people saying that there's absolutely no reason to think that the climate is changing. Yes. That's not very helpful. Indeed. And there are, there are a significant amount. They're loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other side obviously thinks that the world is going to end the day after tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the noise gets... Um, a lot of the noise is so loud that mm-hmm. all the reasonable voices get lost in the back. Yes. Now, I remember uh, <laughs> uh, Dutton. No, not Dutton. Um... He was about to be our prime minister, but lost. I, I don't know why he's... Well, that, that his was, name, that his was name Dutton. is... Um, Dutton was behind the first leadership spill. No, no, no. Uh, in the election, Dutton. mate. I, I don't... I, I just... I just forgot. Who? Shorten. Short, Bill Jesus. Shorten. Uh, sorry, he is a forgettable gentleman. You very have for- to... You have to give me that. Very forgettable. He's not as... He's not a very charismatic person. But what I did find interesting is that mm. him and kind of like his um, toadies were... Uh, asked several times, how much is this climate change plan of yours going to cost? Mm. And this was, a, 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 by their own standard, the climate change election. Yes. And I remember they would they would ask them, hey, how much is it going to cost to implement your mm-hmm. plan? And his response to that was usually, well, what is the cost to not implement it that is even more mm. important? Yes. And by the way, I think he had a point. Hmm. Because I think this is what we call a cost-benefit analysis, uh-huh, yes. in which you have to say, oh, you're right. Hmm. Let's say we don't do it, and we deal with consequences. Yeah. How much would that cost? Mm-hmm. And then please tell us how much your plan costs. Yes, exactly. And then we can compare them and see what's best, right? right? Yes. So do you just want to give me a couple a couple of thoughts on, on uh, this, the, the climate change election? Obviously, it was a flop for the people carrying the torch for climate change. Yes. What do you think? Well, I must say it wasn't the first climate change election, uh, as mm. I was telling uh, telling someone uh, last someone. week or the, or the week before. Yes, mm. I think we've had five climate change elections now in Australia, um, or at least leadership spills, um, mm. and climate change has failed every time. Uh, you remember this was partly the issue that brought Malcolm Turnbull down. Mm, yeah. um, yes, I mean, this is a part of the problem I have with the Willoughby City Council motion as well. Uh, there is not even an attempt to try to tell us how much this is going to cost or how they're going to pay for it. Um, and, well, I mean, with Bill Shorten, for instance, when he says, what's the cost of not doing it? Yeah. Um, he's assuming that there's going to be an apocalypse which will take about a minute and then we won't have to deal with any of the consequences. Right. Right? I assume if the sea levels are rising, they're going to rise gradually. Mm. So let's say, okay, if the sea rises a metre, uh, these things will happen and it will cost this much. If it rises two metres, these things will happen and it will cost this much. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there is... Uh, I'm sure there are data like that. Mm. Um, 
and a cost-benefit analysis describing those situations. Unfortunately, right. Bill Shorten didn't have it, and no one in the Labour Party have it. And no one at Willoughby City Council seems to have it either. I wonder if they don't have it or if they willingly uh, ignore it. I, I do wonder this mm. sometimes. I don't like to assume uh, bad motives on behalf of other people, but mm. I don't think that they're stupid. I really think that these people aren't stupid. No. I think that they know the basic structure of an argument. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they've just seen the actual data mm. and said... This isn't very uh, beneficial to my point. Yes. Maybe I'm not going to bring uh, this up too heavily. Yes. Yeah, well, there might be that. And they also might think that uh, numbers are just a bad way to convince people. Uh, they don't want to go on TV and say 5%, 10%, XYZ. Mm. Um, because people are rightly put off by that. Yeah. And you sound like a bit of a nerd when you say it. And it's not, uh, also not very inspiring. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, well... Uh, William, this has been uh, very interesting, and uh, we'll definitely try to put a little bit of your uh, of your speech uh, in this episode if possible. If not, we hope to have you again soon. And to all of our listeners, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to being back. Thanks for listening to Adipod, a podcast by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. If you care to know more about the ATA, visit their website www.taxpayers.org, where you'll be able to see their mission statement, their projects, campaigns, objectives, and so much more. Remember, listening to the podcast is free, but creating it isn't. If you'd like to continue to see the Australian Taxpayers Alliance advocacy, please consider becoming a member or donating. You can do this on their website as well. This has been Adipod. We'll see you next time.